Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and help provide solutions that suit how you do business, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. At The Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how The Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. You know success when you see it, or you think you do, the people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. We shouldn't, as Democrats, be empowering the Republicans. President Trump was sent here to smash conventional norms. I would rather see a congressional solution. It's part of my DNA. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. All right, here we go. Pandemic. Day one of the 15 days that President Trump has called for. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. Uh, we have, we're going to break down everything. It's Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin announcing that he wants to have a massive, massive economic stimulus. He was up on Capitol Hill earlier today. Uh, the market reaction, we'll have that covered as well. And all of the latest uh, as America continues to grapple with this pandemic. Day one of the 15 days. And uh, we're super grateful to have Anna Edgerton, Bloomberg Politics Editor, to join us via telephone, Anna, to break down what the White House is now pushing uh, today. President Trump pushing a $1.2 trillion stimulus, $1,000 checks in two weeks. I'm going to read from, from our colleagues reporting. The Trump administration is discussing a plan that could amount to as much as $1.2 trillion in spending including direct payments of $1,000 or more to Americans within two weeks to blunt some of the economic impacts of the widening coronavirus outbreak. Mnuchin has pitched $250 billion in checks to be sent at the end of April, with a second set of checks totaling $500 billion a month later. Anna, this is unprecedented. What are you gathering from what capital – is there an appetite for this on Capitol Hill? It is unprecedented, and we get the impression from speaking to lawmakers that they understand just the gravity of this situation. You know, it's kind of a multifaceted crisis that we really haven't seen in the United States or in the world. On the one hand, you have the health crisis, you know, making sure that people stay in their homes, work from home as much as they can, and try not to spread this virus. On the other hand, you have the economic fallout from people doing exactly that. So this is a crisis that really requires an unprecedented response. And it's hard to see how these individual measures will help. But there's an understanding that it really needs to be big and bold and really unlike anything we've seen before. Mnuchin said it's a big number. Uh, This is a very big situation in this economy. We put a proposal on the table that would inject a trillion dollars into the economy. President Trump earlier today saying just as much. He said we have to be big. And and folks, if you're you're listening to us, over the next couple of days at least, we're not going to be able to play sound bites because our colleagues are working tirelessly at home. 
uh, to make sure that we can get to air. So, uh, you know, I wish I could play for the, for you that. So I'm going to have to be reading some of those quotes now. Uh, Secretary Mnuchin also said, quote, Americans need cash now. And the president wants to give cash now. And I mean now in the next two weeks. There's been so much. I don't think I mean, there's just been so this story has just been par- booming in terms of the scope of it and the magnitude of it. When do you think or what else might we see from lawmakers up on Capitol Hill? Well, you know, we had the they talk about three phases. You know, the first phase was the initial roughly eight billion dollars that both chambers of Congress passed and that Trump signed into law. Then we have the House bill that was focused on things like paid sick leave um, to help people stay home if they if they needed to, if they felt like they had symptoms, and uh, expanded some Medicaid options for low-income families. That ha- bill has passed the House and expected to pass the Senate today or tomorrow. And this is the third phase that we're talking about. This morning, Mnuchin's first estimate was that it would be $850 billion. By the afternoon, he was up to $1.2 trillion. So there is kind of a realization that this is going to grow as the need becomes apparent. And that's what we're going to be watching for, you know, both the scope and the individual measures that could be included. Anna, what what are you hearing in terms of what folks are saying about just providing immediate relief to temporary workers, to part-time workers, to workers who are working in restaurants, to, to folks who are just imme- were immediately feeling the economic brunt of this? Well, that's the tricky thing, and that's what makes this different than, like, 2008, 2009, is that it's not one sector that's affected. You know, it's not like you can give a bailout to the financial sector and, and help weather the storm. This affects all kinds of people, small businesses, individuals. And the idea of something like these direct cash handouts is really to be a bridge for people and for businesses so that they don't have to, you know, default on loans, uh, pay, you know, fire employees, lay off more workers, so that they can kind of make it through the shock of the, these weeks as we're all self-distancing and, and drawing down consumer spending and quickly ramp back up the economy when we get through this. You know, even beyond that, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell says that they're not going to leave town until they've constructed and passed another bill. Uh, and, and, and clearly this is something that Secretary Mnuchin wants to see done, wants to see executed. Is there divide at all? Is there partisan bickering on this? I would hope not. Uh, it's, a, it's a good question. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, there is still some partisan disagreement, although the who, point of it who is Who would be dumb enough to, to, to try to keep people from getting cash in the middle of a global pandemic? I can't wait to hear these names. Go ahead, Anna. Well, the, the problem is, you know, Mitch McConnell, who's the Senate majority leader, Republicans control the Senate, he said that he's going to set up these task force that are going to be working with Mnuchin to develop this proposal. But no Democrats are included on that. He said once they develop their proposal, then they'll take it to the Democrats and try to you know, make sure that there's some kind of compromise. So it's really a question of process. You know, From the beginning, it would be better if this were a bipartisan effort, but McConnell made it clear that he's going to do his Republican bill, then take it to the Democrats and try to negotiate. Now, I should say this is what House Democrats did last week, but we were at a very different time last week when the scope of the crisis was very different. Are Republicans Um, all on the same page on this? Do they know they're going to have to spend? Well, the the concern is not really about the price tag. We heard from lawmakers today saying it's a cheap time to borrow money. Interest rates are historically low. 
this is a time to get through this economic crisis to avoid kind of further long-term damage, kind of price be damned. But there is not agreement on what the measure should be. We had Lindsey Graham, a senator from South Carolina, a close ally of the president, who said he doesn't like the cash handout. He said he'd rather people be getting a paycheck than a handout, which is fine if you're employed um, and if you are on salary. But, you know, for hourly workers who aren't working right now or for people who for earn seasonal their, most workers. of their salary or earn most of their salary through tips, you know, there are a lot of people who don't fall into that kind of neat income category that would be helped by a payroll tax cut, for example. It's just, all right, tell me something uplifting, and I'm putting you on the spot. What did you see online that was (laughs) uplifting today? Oh, one thing that I do think is uplifting is how seriously people are taking this. You know, certainly not across the board, but really around the world, we see people changing their lives, drawing down their social, commercial, uh, you know, whatever kind of activity to avoid spreading this virus and to make sure that they're protecting the most vulnerable members of society. And, you know, that's what we're doing right now. I'm working from home. You know, everyone's working from home that can to make sure that we're not out and about and make sure that we're not, you know, spreading this virus and making sure that people who are sick can get the help that they need. And it's, it's thank you so much, Anna Edgerton, Bloomberg Politics Editor. And it's weird, right? Because as Americans, whenever there's a, a disaster, whenever there's, there's a catastrophe, you want to rush in and you want to help. You want to do something. And in this situation, the best thing to do is to stay home. And that's what's just that's that's taken me a minute to 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 to, gra- to grasp really is that you gotta you, you gotta stay home you gotta stay put you gotta hunker down work from home we're gonna get through this we're gonna get through this but we gotta get through it. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television, Bloomberg Radio. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television, Bloomberg Radio. I hope everyone's doing all right. I'm keeping everyone in my prayers. We're going to get through this, folks. And, uh, you know, the administration is saying that economic stimulus is on the way. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi has said that she's going to vow to work with everyone to get something done. Checks might be on the way in two weeks. President Trump said he wants checks mailed out within two weeks now, as Treasury Secretary Stephen Mnuchin said it. And, you know, you know, we'll see if that if that helps anyone out there who so desperately needs some economic help, so desperately needs some medical help uh, during this national pandemic. Dennis Kelleher is on the line. He's the president of Better Markets. And uh, uh, Dennis, are, are you there? Yes. Hi, Kevin. How are you? Good. How are you? Sorry, I just wanted to make sure you were there. Uh, we're we're our our uh, crew on this program, Dennis. As I'm sure everyone is working from home, they've just been doing such an incredible job. And so, some, I just want to make sure that you, wanted to make sure you were on the line, Dennis. How how would what are you hearing? I mean, you are the president of Better Markets, uh, traditionally more aligned with progressive candidates, and and I want to get your take now for how you what you think economic stimulus ought to look like as we grapple with this crisis? Well, uh, first, Kevin, thanks for having me on. And I think you're right in talking about the size and scope of this unprecedented national crisis. But what we need to do is start thinking much bigger and bolder than we have. Um, you, you know, most almost all Americans live paycheck to paycheck. And uh, most Americans, more than 70 percent of Americans, have no significant savings. And that means... Literally this week and next week, 
uh, tens of millions of Americans are not going to get a paycheck, and they're not going to have any money. That is a crisis, and that is why uh, the president and the leaders on the Hill are right to start thinking about getting cash immediately uh, to uh, Main Street families. And there are a number of ways to do that, but we need to start thinking, as just started today, of, ba- of, of aid that, that starts with a T. Uh, last week, um, you know, I published an op-ed in Market Watch with uh, proposing a $1 trillion plan. And truthfully, by the time this is over, it's going to be many multiples of a trillion dollars. And our proposal is that you need to actually um, require any aid to any company or business in the United States with that business actually continuing to pay the wages, tips, and benefits of all their workers until the crisis is over. I, I, this is I want to. This bears repeating. So, what Dennis Kelleher, president of Better Markets, which is a nonprofit independent organization working to build a more secure financial system for all Americans, this is candidly more, more progressive approach. Which is what and what he's saying is, look, you want money from the government, keep paying your workers. Am I simplifying this, Dennis? Nope, that's right. And but importantly, the federal government will reimburse all those payments, and the company who does that has a no-layoff policy, pays all its workers, will also be eligible for other aid. But no company that does not continue to pay its wages to its workers or lays off workers in the middle of this crisis will not be eligible for any other aid. So bailing out the airlines that don't have passengers to save them from bankruptcy makes no sense. What do we care if we've got a bunch of airlines that aren't bankrupt, but the planes are sitting on the runways and nobody's traveling because we're all quarantined? So bailing out the airlines for the sake of bailing them out makes no sense. But sending them money that they then immediately disperse to all their workers so that their workers can eat. And by the way, Kevin, very importantly, they can pay their rent so the landlords don't go broke. They can pay their mortgage, their credit card, and other bills so that the banks don't go broke. What we will have at that point is is a functioning economic system, although people won't be working. That's going to be a huge bill for the federal government, but that's the only way we're going to be able to very quickly get enough money into the hands of enough people who in literally days are going to have no money, are going to be scared, and there's going to be a panic in this country like you've never seen before. Moody's just said that nearly 80 million jobs are at high or moderate risk right now. That's an unemployment rate of over 50 percent. That can't happen. But we also can't get money to the people quick enough. You know, they talk about helicopter money, sending checks. That takes time. Every employer in this country right now, right now knows how to put money right into the bank account of every one of their employees. That's 158 million Americans in total. That's the way to do it. Dennis Kelleher is on the line. He uh, is president of Better Markets. Dennis, I appreciate you coming on uh, to break this down. I mean, uh, switching back over to Capitol Hill, you know, this this stimulus that the administration's calling for i don't want to get too far into the weeds but at at the crux of it i mean this will be a bipartisan stimulus will get out will it not i i believe a a very big bipartisan stimulus will get out the real concern over is what the pieces of that stimulus is and and what would you say what would you say is some of the sticking points in general terms well, I think, you know, no strings bailouts of corporations, not that different than 2008, when 
trillions of dollars were sent to Wall Street with no conditions or terms, with no transparency, oversight, or accountability. And what happened? You know, Main Street ends up with this horrible recession that we've lived through for 10 years. You have the Tea Party and Occupy Wall Street in reaction to it. But what happened with that money? In the calendar year 2009, Wall Street paid itself $22 billion in bonuses after being bailed out with taxpayer money. Well, and and that's, I think what the... everybody is, that's what everybody's worried about happening this time. So the concern is, if you're going to bail out a corporation, you can't leave the workers and Main Street families behind. This has to be a Main Street bailout, not a corporate bailout. Dennis, tell me something good in the news. Tell me something optimistic. There's so much doom and gloom right now. Well, tell so me no, something. That... I think, so I think, you know, the best, you know, the, the best news we've had in a long time is the president actually appears to understand the size and scope of the problem, has stopped blaming demo, Democrats and demagoguing and attacking the media. He actually is letting Dr. Fauci and others take the lead. That's the best sign so far. The second best sign, which happened today, is that the numbers the Hill, the Congress, the administration are talking about for aid to Main Street is over a trillion dollars. So they're finally getting serious about the size and scope of the problem. And there's clearly an urgency, which may, should make everybody believe that they're going to get a big bipartisan bill done, and it's going to get money into the hands of people very quickly. Dennis, so do I, think me a this, I think there's very good, very good news coming out. Good. Dennis, I appreciate you coming on. Dennis Kelleher, president of Better Markets. Do me a favor. Check in with me in a couple of days, all right? All right. That was Dennis Kelleher. I'm Kevin Cirilli, chief Washington correspondent for Bloomberg Television, Bloomberg Radio. And coming up, we're going to check in with Maddie Duppler for some more economic analysis on the markets. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. You need a company with extensive experience in specialized insurance. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and helping provide coverage that suits your needs. The Hartford offers insurance solutions that help mid to large sized businesses like yours effectively manage risk from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. With extensive experience in underwriting, risk engineering services, and claims, the Hartford goes beyond the expected to deliver innovative, customizable solutions and service that your industry, that your business, demands. At the Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how the Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. It was another wild day on Wall Street. Uh, stocks jump with Wall Street seeing crazy swings. Reading now from the Bloomberg Terminal, uh, quote, U.S. stocks rebounded from the biggest route since 1987 as the U.S. government stepped up its effort to offset the financial damage caused by the coronavirus, Treasuries tumbled. The S&P 500 up almost 6% after trading in the red earlier, continuing a streak of volatility last seen during the Great Depression. The Dow Jones Industrial Average, meanwhile, notched a 5.2% gain. Maddie Duppler's on the line, friend of the program, 
Uh, she, of course, is senior fellow at the National Taxpayers Union, former coalition's director for the House Republican Conference. Maddie, first of all, thank you so much for making time for us. How are you doing? I am doing okay, Kev. How are you? You're in the studio today. So that is, you're out, you're about. You're different than the rest of us. We're all hunkered down at home. I was hunkered down all day. I worked from home all day. I'm here tonight only because uh, we have strict, strict guidelines in uh, here. Uh, No one else is in the office except maybe two other people. Uh, because yeah, we I don't are mean going... to expose you, Kev. I've been to Bloomberg. You guys have it on lockdown. I'm glad that you're safe and that we're able yeah. to do the program still. I feel very safe here. Um, and, okay, so the markets. I mean, what, what did you notice today with the markets, Maddie? Well, so let's take a step back and look at the last two weeks. I think it's obvious that the markets are sending at least one clear signal, which is that Fiscal policy is what's needed here. You know, when we first started to get the first reports of the virus outbreak in the United States, the Fed, of course, convened an emergency uh, meeting and did a slight cut on rates. Uh, that was that was a little bit of a surprise at the time. And that actually didn't do much to sell markets. The following day was when the House took up and passed its first uh, go at fiscal legislation. And that's what gave the markets a little bit. Um, of a bounce. So I think we're seeing that response again today. We, of course, over the weekend saw another emergency cut from the Fed uh, and some other monetary policy tools deployed. But it wasn't until today when we had that press conference from the president and the rest of the coronavirus task force where there was serious discussion, not only of stimulus checks, but other measures that may go into effect to help blunt the economic impact of this virus that we started to see a market response. So I I really think that when not much else is clear, the one thing we do know is the market is looking for a a fiscal policy Maddie, you cut out there, but you you, you cut out there at an important part. So uh, where you cut out was when you said not much else is clear, but the one thing we know. So pick it up there. So the, yeah. So the one thing that we do know is that the market responds when we get some uh, bout of confidence that a fiscal policy response is is, is coming. And now, of course, the Senate is still working through the challenges on the House bill, but the fact that the administration has basically said that they want to see more efforts uh, that go beyond what we have in legislation right now indicates that there will continue to be fiscal policy that comes out to blunt the economic impact of the virus. Maddie, as you look through you know, all of this volatility, has any certainty emerged, economically speaking? Well, I think that the one thing to keep in mind, uh, and this is something that Fed Chairman Jay Powell reiterated uh, during the conference call on Sunday, is that we are entering this challenge from a point of strength. Uh, And I don't say that to be Pollyanna-ish. I say it to allow for some acknowledgement that we have the fiscal space to make the responses here that will help keep this, this unprecedented uh, circumstance from becoming a blown out long term economic malaise. Uh, you know, before we entered the, the real impact of the virus, we saw really strong labor market data. We saw new housing starts rising. The services sector was expanding. All of that is to say is that we have the fundamentals in place. We need to have an efficient and clear policy response to make sure that we can return to those fundamentals and to that ecosystem once we have this exogenous effect of, uh, effect of the virus under control. And, it, and I think that it also bears repeating that this is, first and foremost, a public health problem. We right. need to have a public health response that then has an economic uh, response that is meant to really try to keep some of those effects 
you know, at bay to best that they can and to really diminish the effects, particularly on the most vulnerable population. You know, Maddie, I, I think what you just said is so smart. And, and we just had Dennis Kelleher on. And I've, I've talked to Dennis for years in this town. And, and every, every time you wanted to get the pulse of progressive policies and what progressive ideas are, I, I go to Dennis Kelleher. Every reporter in town knows that. And, you know, for him to come on air tonight and to say that he thinks President Trump gets it in the shift of tone, that's a big, big deal. And I'm curious. I mean, and I'm not saying that to be partisan because, I mean, I, I talked to Democrats who are, you know, I was talking to, you know, Mark Warner's office, Chris Coon's office today, and, and they mm-hmm. also are saying everyone that I'm talking to, Maddie, is is talking from the same playbook. And, you know, and, and now it just feels like they're dotting their I's and crossing their T's. And time is of the essence. I mean, Lord knows mm-hmm. time is of the essence to get relief to, to, to people who need it uh, de- yesterday. Uh, yep. But, I mean, are you hearing what I'm hearing, that, that folks are, for the most part, on the same page on this? They get it? I think so. And I think that I think something that Senator Rubio, I believe, said was really important, which is that we don't have all the time in the world here. This isn't like normal circumstances where we can call Congress back in and they can continue to negotiate bills. Congress is a large body driven by hundreds of people that staff these members. And we can't have them all working while we're trying to contain contain a public health problem. So I think that there's a recognition that these circumstances require exigency in a way that we haven't really experienced before. And I will say this crystallization around the notion that we need to get money out the door in terms of stimulus checks is very interesting from a policy perspective. You see conservatives, Republicans, progressives, Democrats kind of all talking about that being a necessary element of any kind of recovery package going forward. I hope there is also an element of understanding that there are more elasticities that we need to be aware of in the economy, meaning that businesses need support. We need liquidity for businesses who are having cash flow problems. I would keep an eye on this uh, announcement from Treasury that they're going to delay tax payments. That certainly will be helpful, but we need more. We need certainly some kind of social insurance for people who don't know if they're going to have a job in a week if they can't show up. And absolutely, if people are sick, we need some kind of assurances for them that they can't go to work so we can continue to get this public health problem under control. Maddie, tell me something good. Tell me some good news. I'm asking every guest. I'm going to ask you that because every segment, I'm not doing this doom and gloom show every day for the next, you know, hopefully, you know, at least the next 15 days. I'm not doing it. I need I need some positivity. We all need some positivity because you click on those those social media feeds. That'll drown you out. I had to turn it off last night. I I totally agree with you, Kevin. So tell me something good. What did you see that's good, Maddie? Well, here's what I'm doing. Let me just say what I'm doing that's helping my mood. I am putting on my running playlist while I'm working. So it's like pump up music. It's like feel good, gets the blood pumping. Good. While I'm writing about this stuff, it keeps me focused. I I encourage everyone to put get some good playlists going. That'll help a little bit. Well, what what else? I mean, come on. I saw I just saw something that in Paris, France, this was something on Twitter that they're they're doing a um I'm I'm butchering this words but they're doing something with their lights <laughs> to acknowledge and recognize all of the medical workers who are on the front lines of this oh i love that yeah i so love that's... that well so so listen like we've heard a lot about this i live in dc dc is a great community we get Amazing. a lot of crap from everyone right but dc is a great community so like we're doing all the stuff that everyone's talking about trying to order gift cards from our favorite local businesses so they can get a little bit more cash flow going, trying to, like, just get outside and kind of walk around the neighborhood. Like, keep a respectful different distance, but still say hi to your neighbors. Like, just that acknowledgement 
that we're all in this together, I think is so helpful for your own mental wellness. Um, and, you know, just making sure that like you're staying connected to the other things in your life. Like our lives are not just the news. Like this news is going to continue to come out. It's really important to stay informed, but like you don't have to have the TV on 24 seven to be informed. So like you don't have to have, you know what I said are, this, I, I think I've said this. I'm not going to say uh, to people in my family. I said, get off of social media for the just yeah. get off of it tonight put on some just get off of social media you know go to the cdc.gov maddie stay with us stay with us stay on the line maddie because we have another segment and we're going to talk more about the political ramifications of this uh coming up as the dnc just put out a new statement in terms of political voting guidelines maddie duffler stays i'm kevin cerilli chief washington correspondent for bloomberg tv and radio and you're listening to bloomberg 99.1 You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. Look, I, I, I say this, you know, turn on Bloomberg Television if you're working from home. I mean, I, I just want to give kudos to all of my colleagues. Uh, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm biased. I think Bloomberg's a, a great news source. And you turn on Bloomberg TV and they're covering this from around the world. So if you want firsthand reports on how China grappled with this, on how countries around the world grappled with this, on how Europe's grappling with this, and plus real updates on the supply chain. You know, I'm looking at a, a, a story on Bloomberg right now that's literally going headfirst into how China's using drones and their strategy to drop off thermometers. So, I mean, that's the type of stuff, quite frankly, I, I'm going to to Bloomberg TV's horn. I mean, I, they're doing a great job. Maddie Duppler's on the line. Uh, she's a good friend of mine, a good friend of the program. And she, of course, is uh, the senior fellow at the National Taxpayers Union. We were talking earlier about the market implications. Earlier in the program, we talked about the economic implications. But we got to talk about the political ramifications because there are elections tonight. And the yeah. DNC, I'm going to read from uh, Alexandra Jaffe and Will Weissert's reporting on the AssociatedPress.com. Uh, the the new coronavirus kept some voters and poll workers at home and hampered efforts to open some polling sites on Tuesday at three states that held pre- that held Democratic presidential primary contests amid the global can- pandemic. Ohio called off their primary just hours before the polls were going to open. I mean, thankfully they did. You've got Ohio canceled, and then uh, it, it and, and it was so unprecedented that DNC committee chairman Tom Perez urged states to expand vote by mail and absentee balloting and polling station hours in an effort to keep the coronavirus from further disrupting the party's presidential nominating process. Maddie, I, I, I'm not going to – I don't want to put on our normal political punditry segment cap. Uh, but what I do want to ask is, I mean, these are serious que- – these are Democratic with a lowercase d questions that we're all trying to face mm-hmm. now about what this pandemic means – in a presidential and down-ballot race election year, Maddie. Help me make sense of this. Well, so for one, I want to start off just for all of your listeners' uh, understanding. We do have a state that does all mail-in balloting. It's Washington State. Like, this is how they run their elections, regardless of what's going on in the country. It's always mail-in voting there. So there's a template for how we could do this. Now, the question is, of course, changing midstream, that's a whole different question, right? When you, Especially something like in Ohio, where you have 
officials saying the day before that they're going to cancel voting. The question is, how do you change these kinds of protocols um, in states that aren't used to that? Now, we have seen in some states an uptick in uh, mail-in voting uh, that had that ability. But to go entirely to mail-in voting, that requires you, of course, the mail ballots out to everyone and get those done in time. I'm not sure that states are equipped to do that. Tom Perez did seem to indicate he thought states had the the capabilities to implement that. Um, but in populations, particularly in populations that aren't used to this, then you th- you have to worry about the folks who, you know, aren't watching the news, people who don't have that information. You don't want them to miss the opportunity to vote, because obviously if the impact of the virus is that people are disenfranchised, then we have another crisis on our hands, which is a political one on top of the public health and the financial one. So Illinois, Arizona and Florida, they're having primaries today. I don't I, I truthfully I I don't think this is I don't know how how are they justifying holding these contests? Yeah, I, the question is, you know, because the Ohio governor had uh, had uh, issued this statement and then essentially tried to sue in front of the court that he thought he he needed that um, that license in order to move forward. And the court said, like, this isn't enough time. You need to make these decisions ahead of time. I think acknowledging the challenge here and the tension, which is that we want voting to be as free and open and accessible as possible. Uh, but I would argue that in the throes of a of the pandemic that we're facing right now, that environment doesn't exist. It is open and accessible for people to vote. So I think that the responsible thing to do for states that have primaries looming is certainly to delay. Um, but that does raise a question. You know, for one, there are important ballot measures that are being voted on in these states. You can, you need to make sure that those are uh, still getting their due. But obviously, when it comes to Democratic primary, uh this has been a, a, a dynamic process. You know, we've gone from 24 people running the Democratic primary down to two. Uh, and I think there's an argument to be, mad, to be made that when you have this kind of event, inertia is going to be a, a, interrupted and that will create problems for the front runner. Now, because of the delegate count, is there enough? tension there that that really derails uh vice president biden's I, I just, chances in getting nomination probably not but you never know you know i i just to me i don't i don't think any american can understand in the middle of a global pandemic why you wouldn't postpone your primary i mean it that that, mm-hmm. that to me doesn't pass the basic common sense test when we're all in this together I mean, no. I mean, it. it, it I. I don't understand that. And and quite honestly, well, I mean, like, delay it. I. It, 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 I. I can't wrap my head around it, Maddie. Well, and think about where people vote too. They normally vote in schools. Sometimes right. they vote in nursing homes. I mean, they vote in these places where we've already said that it's not safe. It's not safe to congregate here. It's not safe to have the populations who are there to be there in large groups. Uh, so it certainly defies logic to have to send more people to those places. But, I, you know, I, I am very sympathetic to the tension here, which is that when you're the head of the party, you don't want to be seen as interfering. And I know that, again, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a former Republican aide. That's the side of the aisle I'm on. I know Democrats and progressives have had their own tensions right. about whether or not the party uh, has interacted in the way that they think is most equitable. But this is a really hard decision to make. I do think delay certainly is not a hard decision to well, make. I think the question is how you get people to vote. And when you do that, that's a little more challenging. Well, Governor Larry Hogan, 
Governor Larry Hogan of Maryland, he's mm-hmm. he's postponed the primary until June 2nd. Uh, it was originally yeah. going to be on April 28th. I mean, Governor yeah. Hogan making the, you know, saying, hey, we're going to get out in front of this and we're going to say it's not going to be until June. You know, I mean, that in and of itself, I think, just getting out in front of it. So Governor Hogan delaying the uh, of Maryland, delaying the presidential primary until June 2nd. I do want to give a vaccination update. Pfizer and BioNTech have announced a joint development of a potential COVID-19 vaccine. Reading from TechCrunch, uh, pharma giant Pfizer announced on Tuesday that it's working with BioNTech, a German company, uh, working on new kinds of immunotherapy treatments on a potential COVID-19 vaccine. So the Americans and the Germans working together on a vaccine yesterday. We followed up on that reporting uh, that the first vaccine, the COVID-19 vaccines and clinical trials already, they're testing on humans already uh, out in uh, Seattle. Uh, and, and I, you know, if you read there, I don't know if you saw this, but the Associated Press uh, pulled one of the people that they, they've tested on is a 43-year-old. And she has uh, some teenage kids, and they, they think that she's a rock star mom uh, for, for, yeah, testing, for testing on the vaccine. Uh, very quickly, uh, give me some more good news, Maddie. we got to end on an upbeat note. So, so what's on your radar? What's so on I, your good news radar? Good news radar. Well, let's see. We're going into tax season where you might have a delay in being able to file your taxes. For a lot of people, <laughs> that's really good news. But on a hammer, everything looks like a nail, right? I love tax policy. Yes. That's definitely good news for people who haven't filed their taxes yet. But listen, it's a beautiful day here in D.C. One thing you can do is you can go out, you can take a walk, you can get some fresh air. I just want everyone to remember that you have the opportunity and the power to, like, just take a moment for yourself. Like, if that, nothing else, take one moment, take a couple deep breaths. We're all going to get through this together. And absolutely a shout out to the public health workers yes. and all of the other people who are working in public health right now. I mean, that this is an incredible time to be a part of that effort. And we are supporting you and we're grateful for your sacrifice and for your efforts there. And lost in all of this, it's St. Patrick's Day. It's St. Patrick's it's Day. Right. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Now let me say something else. Tom Brady's leaving the Patriots. So there's good news for the fall. Because you know what? When the NFL starts playing again, Brady's gone from Belichick. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. Hey, we're going to get through this. Keep on keeping on. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and help provide solutions that suit how you do business, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. At The Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how The Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.